0: Amen, but there's a word upon my heart that I feel God wants me to speak here tonight. So Galatians 6, 9. Galatians 6, verse 9. Of course, I want to thank Pastor Chella for giving me the opportunity to speak here. Amen. My wife, there she is. Thank you, babe. Amen. You're awesome. Amen. Hallelujah. Galatians 6, 9. You guys got it? Amen. I'm going to read out of the NIV. It says, So let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen. Some translations say, So let us not become tired, right? And for us here, let us not lose heart. In some translations, it says, "Let us not lose heart in doing good." Amen. Father, have your way here tonight. Speak to us that you would just have your way in Jesus' name. We all said, "Amen." Give your neighbor a high five. You go ahead and be seated. Amen. Here tonight. So, real quick, I wanna I wanna recap a little bit because you know how many guys. Have, you've been having a great time coming. Amen. We've been having great messages like Pastor Stefan was saying, amen, that, that he's been speaking and, and he's been casting vision, right? If you've been coming for the last few Sundays, he's been sharing on vision. He's been sharing on, on, on direction. He's been sharing on, you know, these different things. He was talking about how, how it's important for us to have foresight, right? To have insight, to have hindsight, right? And, and, and tonight, I want to continue in that Right, And I want to continue and let you know that God has a vision for us. Amen. How many guys believe that God has a vision for us? Amen. How many believe that God has a purpose for us? Right. And I'm going to tell the men's home, God has a purpose for you. Amen. And now I could come over here and say, women's home, God has a purpose for you. Amen. That God has a vision. Right. God has a purpose. Right. God has a plan. But how many guys know God also has a process? Amen. God has a journey right god has you know maybe some things for us to experience to grow us right to mold us to shape us to prepare us right that it's thursday night right it's thursday night so the thursday night messages they're a little different right sunday you come amen praise the lord god is good we celebrate but thursday sometimes we got to come and sometimes we got to talk about some stuff sometimes we got to address a few things sometimes we got to talk about what's really going on Amen. And here tonight, I want to look a little bit at our promise, but about the process we got to go through to get to that promise. Amen. How many guys know nothing comes easy? Right? If you're older than five years old, you know nothing comes easy. Right? And if you live here in the Bay Area, nothing comes cheap. Right? Nothing's cheap. Nothing's easy. Right? You got to work hard. Right? You got, you know, and for a softball team, you got to play hard amen we're praying for a victory this Saturday amen see so there is there is no other way amen to the promise than through the process how many guys know that there's no there's no other way to the promise than through the process right that that for some places there's only one way to go right there's only one way to go and and in God's promise we could only get there through the process right just like there's only one way to the Father it's through the sun, right? There's only one way to your promise, and that's through the process that God has for you. See, the process prepares us mentally, right? The process prepares us spiritually, and how many guys know that the process prepares us physically too, right? I almost said tambien, right? I, we got a new coworker, and he speaks Spanish, so I'm been exercising my Spanish at work. This is coming natural, rolling off the tongue, yeah. amen? So the process prepares us mentally, spiritually, and physically for the promise. Amen. In our preparation, God works on our minds, our hearts, and our actions. Right? How many of you guys are are, are being worked on tonight? Amen. How many of you guys are being worked on, amen, at your job? How many of you guys are being worked on with your kids? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I see my wife getting worked on. Right? It's a new season, right? We got a four-year-old and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old that, you know, they're just, it's full throttle or it's no throttle. You get what I'm saying? They're either like, you know, they're either wide open or they're shut, right? They'll be playing and then boom, drop, fall asleep right there on the floor, right? Joshua, I got a few videos on my phone where he's eating an apple asleep, right? It's just, it just goes, 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 right? And for us, we're just trying to keep up and keep cleaning and keep feeding. And you know, it's like you make one meal and then you gotta make another. It's just, it's, it's a challenge, baby man. This is a process, amen? We prayed for kids, so, you know, can't complain, I guess, right? So in our preparation, God works on our minds, our hearts, and our actions, right? That there are many examples in the Bible, but to me, none are better than the examples set by the Israelites, amen, about a process, right? There's no better group of people to look at about a process than the Israelites. Why? Because they spent 40 years in the desert trying to get to their promise, right? And not only 40 years, but they also spent 400 years, right, in captivity, right? From the moment God gave them their promise till they stepped foot into the promised land was 400 years, right? So in retrospect, 40 years ain't that bad, right? But there's no better group, in my opinion, than the Israelites, Amen. A quick quote from John Maxwell said, It is said that a wise person learns from his mistakes. A wiser one learns from others' mistakes, but the wisest person of all learns from others' successes. Amen. So here tonight, we're going to look into a few accounts of the Israelites so that we can learn amen so that we can be wiser and the wisest amen that we don't have to repeat the same mistakes that they did but we can look at their their victories that we can look at their accomplishments and see how they got into their promise so that it could take us into our promise Amen. Because we don't just come to church just to come to church, right? We don't just come to church because there ain't nothing on TV. No, we come to church because we believe God has a purpose, God has a plan, God has a destiny. Amen. That God has something great in store for us. Amen. So take your Bibles tonight and turn to Numbers 21. Remember our opening scripture. Tell your neighbor, don't get weary. Don't lose heart. Numbers 21, verses 4 through 6. My dad spoke on the latter part of this, this scripture a few weeks ago. Amen. And, and it stood out to me and it brought me here. And, and if you were here for that message, you'll know why. Um, so if you guys are there, Numbers 21, verses 4 through 6. I'm going to read from, this is from the, the New King James Version. It says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go ar- around the land of Edom. And, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Say discouraged. Right? They c- became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness, they said? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the Israelites died. Amen? If you didn't know what I was talking about, my dad spoke about the the serpent on a pole, right? That after they got bit, they had to look upon the pole to be saved. Amen. But but here we see that as the Israelites were going through their process, right, as they were going through their journey, right, as they were going through their life, that they begin to get discouraged. Right. Like the scripture said, they begin to get weary. Right. They begin to lose heart. Right. They begin to lose focus. Right. They begin to get sidetracked. Right. They, they begin to, to take their eye off the prize and and look upon their circumstances. Right, and then they begin to complain, and they begin to murmur, right, and they begin to grumble, right. I know that I, you know, I should have spoke this message at the church down the street, but I I was booked here tonight, amen. But see, this message came out of my heart, right. This came out out of my experience because I've been on the journey for for a minute now, right. I I got saved back in two thousand and four, been serving God since then, so I've been on the journey for a little bit of time, right. And sometimes when you're in the journey, you get kind of bored sometimes, just to be honest. Maybe, not, maybe that's not the best word, but sometimes you get sidetracked, right? You get comfortable, right? You get complacent, right? You, 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 you just, you know, go through the routine, right? You just, oh, it's Sunday, got to go to church. It's Thursday, got to go to church. Get up, get the base, do whatever I got to do. Take care of my kids, go to work. Right, And and, and the cycle just continues, right? And it just seems like time just keeps going and days go by and weeks go by. And here you are looking back going, man, right? And and then you begin to maybe think negative about certain things. And you begin to murmur and complain a little bit, maybe not out of your mouth, but in your heart or in your mind, right? And, And when you study Jesus and the things that he taught, he said, you don't even have to do these certain things. Just think about it it's the same as doing it. You don't need to murder, just hate your brother. It's like killing him. You don't need to commit adultery, just look at somebody lustfully. You've already committed adultery. So in the same sense, you don't need to speak complaints, you just think complaints. You just meditate on complaints. And sometimes, you know, for myself, you know, the, the last few weeks, you know, I've been partying. I gotta be honest been partying by myself pity party right anybody have a pity party right anybody ever had a pity party you know it's kind of like a house party but it's just you right and you're just there just mad just kind of just don't even know what's going on just funky right everything bugs you right everything gets on your nerves right you want to throw the kids across the room right I'm just being honest, right? That I found myself in this place having kind of like a pity party, right? Ha- having, having, you know, a, 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 some selfish moments, right? Well, what about me, right? What about my wants and what about my plans? And, you know, and, and begin to think about all that stuff. But just like the Israelites who, who, who pleaded to God and said, God, save us from Egypt. And then when God delivers them, they say, why would you take us out? right? Why'd you take us out of Egypt to die out here in the wilderness? And sometimes we find ourselves saying, man, what about me? What, how come this? How come that? And we forget the prayer. God, save me. God, if you just get me out of this jail, God, if you just get me out of this circumstance, I'll do whatever. I'll give whatever. And then a little bit along the way, a little bit through the process, we begin to ask God, why did you, what did, and we begin to be like the Israelites, murmur, complain, gripe right? Think negative, right? We begin even to think negative about our leaders and about those around us. Maybe that's just me. I've already talked to pastor. I'm good. He knows. I couldn't speak to this man. I had to tell it last night. I said, wow, you need to pray for me because I'm tired of partying. You know, I just can't. Pity party, right? And then you come to church and you're just funky, right? You're just kind of like, just doing it. Just like, uh, you know, because But then the spirit of God comes, right? Amen. How many thank God for the spirit of God? Amen. See, so here we see the true heart of the Israelites. Amen. Like I said, we're going to learn from them tonight. How many guys are ready to learn? Amen. So here we see the true heart of the Israelites. This is why they were in the wilderness, right? Because of their continuous complaining. If you read the book of Exodus, if you read through Deuteronomy and all these accounts, you know, God would take them out of one situation and then after like five minutes, they begin to complain and murmur and, you know, think about all this stuff and then they would go right back into bondage, right, and they would continue this cycle. We, we see the true heart, right, their continuous complaining. See, their eyes, how many guys know their eyes were on the physical, right, they weren't focused on the promise They weren't focused on on the word that God gave them, right? They weren't focused, amen, but they were distracted. See, their perspective was off, right? Perspective is important in serving God. It's important in in our walk. It's important in, in what we do for God. It's all about perspective, right? I have a different perspective standing up here on the stage. I can see everybody, right? It's elevated, right? That us as Christians, we need an elevated perspective where we can see past our situations, that we can see past our circumstances, that we can see past our struggles and see the promise of God. Amen? Because it's that promise that keeps us going. It's that vision like Pastor's been talking about, having that foresight, having that insight, right? That will give us the ability one day to have hindsight, right? And I even like what one man said there and he said, you not only need foresight, insight, but you need his sight, Amen. We need his sight. We need God's vision, right? Sometimes we get so caught up in our own vision, amen, that that we don't put God in that vision. Amen. See, it's okay to have a vision as long as you give it over to God and say, okay, God, can I I run with this vision? Amen. That We we surrender. It's like the song we just sang, right? I, I give everything to you. My life is not my own. Amen. See, their perspective was off. Amen. Listen to what they were saying here. It says, why did you bring us out to die? Right. Think about that. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die? Did not did Israelites not die in Egypt? They were probably beaten and killed every day. Right. They were slaves. Right. They were property. They were possessions. Right. Whipped and beaten. Right, Told when to get up, told when to go to work, work extra hard, right? Have to do certain things without the equipment that they needed, right? There was no union labor back then. It was just keep working, right? So their, their, their mindset, why did you bring us out? And then they also say, there's no food and no water. If you, if you read the story, didn't God provide water out of a rock for them? And guess what? That rock went where they went and continued to supply them water, right? Didn't God rain down manna from heaven every day? There's no food. They're seeing a miracle every single night of God providing food for them, but yet they were complaining, yet they were murmuring. Their perspective, right, was off, right? And not only that, there's even an account where God provided quail for them, Right? Where he made flocks of quail come and it says everybody gathered them all up and they were all gorging themselves. So God says, okay. And then he ended up cursing them. Right? But he provided quail, manna, water. Right? Even their clothes didn't weather, didn't wear out. Right? You could read that in Deuteronomy that their clothes didn't even wear out for 40 years. Right? I, I'm, my, you know, I, I'm lucky if I get four days out of a pair of clothes. Right? I'm a mechanic. Stuff gets dirty. Right? I got some new boots. I'm always trying to keep them clean. I, you know, at work, guys are like, what are you doing? I'm like, man, these are expensive boots. I got to keep them nice. Right? I need to start praying that, that, that wilderness prayer on my clothes. <laughs> They're closing a while, but yet they still would find reasons to be negative, to complain, right, to the poor me, right, walking around in the desert having a pity party. Amen? The crazy thing is the scripture right before what we just read about about them complaining God just gave them victory right if you read the uh, chapter 21 verse 1 and 2 it's it's about God handing over the Canaanites to them giving them victory and then right away they begin to complain and I think sometimes even us as 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 children of God as Christians even hear that that God can give us a victory and then the next day we go to work and start complaining Right? We go and we look at our bank account and then we start complaining. We, get, we come and we see how much our rent is and we start complaining. Right? We see how much gas is and we start complaining. Right? We, we, we see what, what's asked of us as a leader and we start complaining. And we forget all the things that God has done. We forget all the victories and we forget all the blessings. Right? We forget that God has been paying our bills all this time. That God has given us a job. God has given us a car. Amen. We we forget. We lose sight. Amen. See, they allowed their current situation to discourage them. And they took their eyes off of the prize and off of the promise and off of the blessings of God. See, the Israelites had an ungrateful heart. Amen. The heart condition kept them from their promise. It's the heart condition. It's It's our heart right? That, 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 that selfish comes from the heart. Amen. And you may look at me tonight saying, I'm not selfish. It's okay. I know I am. God showed me that. And I was talking to my wife going, man, God showed me that, you know, I'm selfish, self-centered, greedy, right? Maybe not on the outside, but inside my mind and my heart, right? That the word says, you know, that to be a cheerful giver. And sometimes I give like, oh God, right? But it's like, it's a principle I know right? But that doesn't mean my heart is right, right? So even the Israelites, it was a heart condition. It was an ungrateful heart, it, it, and, and that ungrateful heart distorted their vision, and the same for us. An ungrateful heart will distort the vision that God gives us. It might, may even delay the vision God wants to give you, amen? That's why I'm talking about this tonight, because I want us to have a vision, right? I want a vision. I want, I want some direction for my life, Right? I feel like God gave me a vision, and I'm kind of at that place where, okay, I need, I need the next chapter. right? I need the next part of it. right? And, and I know that if, in order to get there, I need to change my heart. That as I was reading the accounts of the Israelites, God began to speak to me and said, if you want to get into your promise, you need to change your heart. You need to change your mind. You need to change your perspective. Amen? Because I don't want to be like the Israelites who, who had that heart condition, and they couldn't go into the promised land. They had to stay back. They had to stay in the wilderness. And my prayer is that nobody here would be left stranded in the wilderness, but we would all be able to go into the promise that God has for us. Amen? See, we are no different than them. See, was it hard for them in the desert? Yes. Is it hard for us today? Yes. Right? It's hard. We talk about it. It, Stuff doesn't come easy. Amen. Nothing will keep us from our promise and the vision God has for us greater than an ungrateful and complaining heart. Amen. See, Joyce Meyer says, complain and remain. Right? Complain and remain. Amen. It's heavy right there. Complain and remain. The reason why the Israelites remained was because they complained. The reason, you know, that's the reason. That if you want to stay somewhere, just complain about it. You'll stay there. Don't worry about it. But if you want a promotion, right? If you want better health care, if you want your kids to act right, stop complaining about it. Start praying about it. Start claiming victory. Amen. Start speaking faith, right? And you'll begin to move on. Amen. But if you complain, you will remain. Amen. Like I shared earlier, my perspective was off. For the last few weeks, I just was feeling kind of just, you know? Even when I told back, man, my pastor, I felt like I wanted, I was sitting at home having my pity party, right? Lights going, Not just kidding. <laughs> pity parties aren't like that, amen? Pity parties are like, doo, doo. like the world's smallest violin, right? Little popper. Martinelli's, no, just kidding. That's not a pity party. That, that's a young adult party. Amen. <laughs> but my perspective was off. I lost sight, right? I allowed the things of this world to, 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 to grasp my heart, to grasp my mind, right? But, you know, the things on the news, Right? all these things and scandals and propaganda and all this kind of stuff and getting caught up with that and and, and and even at work with my coworkers and you know instead of being a light just kind of like agreeing with them like yeah you're right this sucks oh yeah I wish we had more money yeah yeah what about health care oh yeah well you know we can't pay our bills and you, know? you know instead of speaking life instead of being a witness about how good God is and trusting in God and putting our faith in God I was just agreeing yeah man yeah you know God, and it begins to get pulled in by the ways of this world. Amen. And that's how it happens. That's how it happens. Right? The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Right? That if we don't guard our heart in prayer and with the word of God, and if we don't go into our job and, and into our, our place of influence without the mindset of, hey, I'm a light, I'm an example, we can easily be pulled away. We could easily sway. We could easily get distracted. We could easily lose our advantage of our perspective. Amen? See, Philippians 2.4. You guys can turn there if you you like. Philippians 2.4 gives us some instruction. Paul gives us some instruction here amen, on how we should live our lives and how we should combat complaining, amen, because how many guys know, at least for me, it's something that I have to fight off daily, right, that, that I really felt like there was this dark cloud hovering over me where it was just negative thought after negative thought, right, and I was like, gosh, I gotta, sh- I gotta shake this, right, and you just, and then you, after you, you, you get so negative and you start feeling depressed and, and you begin to just feel tired and physically drained and worn out, right and beat down where you don't want to do nothing right when you get asked to do something you're like oh here we go again like everybody just wants you know we begin to have this heaviness but Paul gives us some some instruction here in Philippians 2 4 it says do everything without complaining and arguing now you know what the Greek word for everything is everything right (laughs) not some things right not one thing right? It means everything. Amen. It says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. But it says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Amen. That if we don't walk in that way, we are going to get pulled away by the ways of this world, right? He says, hold on firmly to the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run this race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. And I want all of you, which is us, to share that joy. Amen. How many of you guys want joy? Amen. Yes, you should rejoice. Right? He says, I want all of you to have that joy and you should rejoice. And I will share with your joy. Amen? God, does, God doesn't want us to complain because he wants us to have joy. You can't have joy and complain at the same time. Right? That's an oxymoron. Right? That's, that's like giant shrimp. Right? Like you can't have it both. Right? You, it's like government service. Right? Anyways, that's a joke. Praise the Lord. You can't complain and have joy at the same time. You can't grumble and have the peace of God at the same time, amen? That you have to have faith and joy, right? You have to have love and peace at the same time. You can't complain and have joy at the same time, amen? Is anybody getting anything here tonight, or should I just wrap it up and amen? God wants us to have joy. I want us to have joy. I don't want want people walking into our church with just being downcast. Right? Yeah, of course, if they're coming off the street and, and they're wearing the heavyweight, hey, come, the Lord is, Lord's rest is here. But in order for them to come and get refreshed, we have to be fresh. Amen? We can't be complaining and murmuring and, oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to come to this church next week. and uh, You know, ah, oh, we've got to kill that. We've got to quit that. Right? At least in our heart in our minds. Right? That we can't have complaining and joy at the same time. But we need to rejoice. Amen? See all, 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 all. um, Excuse me. See, are there things you know? As Paul was saying, we need to have joy, right? But are there things that we can complain about? Of course, there's things we can complain about, right? But does it change anything? No, right? You can complain all you want, but it doesn't change nothing, right? If anything, it makes it worse, right? We can do whatever we want to do. But it doesn't mean that it's going to get us closer to where God wants us to be. Amen. We're trying to get somewhere. Amen. We're trying to go somewhere. That means we need to stay on track and stay on target. Amen. So three areas tonight, real quick, three areas that, com- that complaining attack in our lives. Three things in our lives that complaining attacks. Number one, the first thing, complaining attacks our walk. Amen. Our walk right? When you look back in, in, in verse 21, it says that they got discouraged on the way. They were walking. They were living it out. They were going through the journey that if you're here tonight, you're in the journey, right? Has anybody here arrived? Amen. Has anybody got to that place in their walk with God to say, oh man, I'm good. I did everything God wants me to do. I'm just going to chill until he comes back or takes me home. Irma's not here. Amen. Amen. She, she's been faithful. Amen. But none of us are there. So we're in the wilderness together, packing our stuff around. Come on, kids. Right? Going to the journey, going through the process. Amen. Growing, getting molded and shaped. Right? Beaten like that metal. Right? Refined like that gold. Amen. Tested. Right? So when we begin to complain, it attacks our walk, it weighs our feet down. Oh, man, I can't. You don't want to walk no more. You just want to stop and sit and chill right? There's times for that, yes, but you know what? We need to just be steady trucking. Okay, God, come on. Amen? It attacks our walk. Complaining gets us off track. Amen? It gets us off track because it changes our perspective, right? It changes your perspective, and if you don't correct it quickly, you could be way off target quick, right? You know, I heard Shane Willard, he described, he said, hey, you know what, if you're in L.A. and you want to go to San Francisco and your plane or whatever's off a few degrees, no big deal, you're in Fresno. It's all good, right? You just hop over, right? But if you're in L.A., right, and you want to go to, like, Europe and you're off a few degrees, right, welcome to, like, Taipei, right? Like, you're way off, right? So when we, we have to continually evaluate our walk, and our heart and our mind, that if we begin to get off track, we, we ask, God, okay, God, give me back on course. Get me back on track. God, bring me back to that place where I can see your vision, where I can see your purpose. God, remind me of what you want to do in my life. God, remind me what you brought me from. Remind me of, uh, of all your blessings and all the things to be grateful for. Amen? Complaining gets us off track, right? Complaining keeps us longer than we need and want to stay right? How many guys know that the the, the 40-year journey that the Israelites were on was only supposed to take them 11 days? Imagine knowing that you need to go from here to Oakland, but it takes you 30 days, right? You're like, man, that's like, it'd only take you a few hours to walk there, right? They knew, hey, from here to there, that's about 11 days. 40 years later, here we are, right? Because of their, because of their complaining, God said, oh, you're right there, turn it around, Go this way, right? Up, oh, turn it around, right? If we have that attitude, we're never gonna get to where God wants it. We'll get close and we'll see it and God say, Turn around, go do it again. Do it again. Do it again, right? Pastor said it before, right? what you say about practice, practice till you can't do it wrong, right? Like, don't just practice to do it right, no, practice until you can't do it wrong, right? But that's how we should walk, where hey, you know what? We need to, it's something we need to work out, amen, daily. Galatians 5, 7 says you were running a good race. Who cut, on you, uh, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Amen? Complaining attacks our walk. It weakens our legs. It slows our feet. Amen? And secondly, complaining attacks our witness. Amen? It attacks our witness. How many of you guys know we are called to be a witness? Amen. We are called to, to be that light, right? That when we're at our job, we're called to be a testimony, right? We're called to be an example, right? The way that we live, the way that we act, the way we respond to certain things. And I could be honest that for the last few weeks I haven't been being a light. Amen. I've been being one of them like blackout curtains, right? Like blocking the light. Amen. That when we begin to complain, right? When we begin to complain, we're not the light that God wants us to be amen what type of example do we set when we complain and when we grumble right when we're at work and we're talking about how bad all this stuff is and the lack of stuff we have or finances we have what what does that show about our God right what does that show about our faith right about his ability (coughs) amen is he omnipotent or is he not right is he all right we've been learning that in our life group the attributes of God right? He's all-powerful, right? He's all-knowing, but when we begin to complain, we deny those attributes of God, amen? We need to be an example, amen? Are we a thermometer, or are we a thermostat? We've probably heard that before, right? Are you a thermometer where you just tell the temperature, oh, it's hot in here, or man, it's cold in here, or you say, no, you know what? It's hot. I need to do something to adjust the climate, adjust the atmosphere, amen? Excuse me, I got something Thermometer or thermostat? Amen. God has called us to be thermostats. Amen. God has called us to change the atmosphere that we're in. Amen. To glorify God. See, we begin, amen, to lose sight when we complain. We begin to lose our impact with people when we complain. Amen. So not only does complaining attack our walk, it attacks our witness, but how many guys know that complaining will attack our worship. Amen. It will attack our worship. Amen. Why? Because it takes our eyes off of God and puts it on everything else. Amen. It it takes our eyes off, uh, off of his greatness and puts it on our problems. Right? It's the same as idolatry. When we begin to complain and say, God, how come I don't have a house? How come I don't have a car? How come I don't have this? How come I don't have that? right? We begin to take our eyes off God, and we put other things greater than Him before Him, bigger than Him. Amen? Our complaining takes our eyes off of God and puts them on self. Amen? We begin to idolize other stuff rather than worship God. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not depend on your own understanding amen? To worship God is to put him first and above everything else, amen? Above every need, above every want, above every trial, and above every situation. That's what it means to worship God. And if we don't, then we're not worshiping him, right? Then we're not worshiping him. We're worshiping something else, amen? That God is just an accessory, right? God is not an accessory in our lives, amen? He's a priority, amen? Don't tell God how big your problems are, but tell your problems how big your God is. Amen? Sometimes we, start, we complain to God. And if you have to complain, that's the best place to complain is to God. But don't complain about God. Right? But complain to God. Bring your requests. Right? Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Worship Right? Thank God, that's worship, that's praise. Amen. Then you will exercise, then you will ex- uh, experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind, and you will live in Christ Jesus. Amen. That as we thank God, as we praise God, it will protect us from that negativity. Amen. That negativity is, 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 is crouching. It's waiting to grab a hold of you right? It's waiting to grab you and just pull you in and and say, hey, come on, let's go have a pity party, right? Trying to pull you in, pull you back. Am I the only one? Amen. we fight this thing off. It's a daily battle, right? The, The Bible says we fight not against flesh and blood, right? There is a spirit of complaining. There is a spirit of negativity, amen, that tries to come in and tries to sneak in and tries to distract and detour and discourage so that we lose focus and lose the vision right? See, our greatest weapon against complaining and depression is our praise. Amen? It's our greatest weapon. Your greatest weapon against the enemy, you know, is praise, is worship. That when you start to feel down, begin to sing a song to the Lord. Right? When you begin to feel discouraged, begin to praise God. You may not know everything about God and know all the attributes of God and know all this and that, but hey, you know what? You just begin to thank God for what he's done. You begin to thank God for saving you from them streets. You begin to say, thank God for pulling you out of that prison cell and, and taking you out of that darkness and breaking those chains. You begin to thank God. And the devil will take his complaining and leave. But well, he's going to try to come back. So, we got to keep that atmosphere. We got to keep that attitude of worship. Amen. We got to keep that attitude of gratitude. Amen. As a worship team comes here tonight and as they get ready, Amen. We talked about the Israelites and how they went through the process. Right? And through that process, through that journey, that, that God would give them victory, but then they would begin to lose sight and begin to complain. Right? But then after that, there was a generation that rose up right? There was a generation with Caleb. There was a generation with Joshua, right? There was a, genera- a generation, amen, that knew how to praise God, who knew how to worship God, who knew, hey, you know what? i seen how my parents used to complain about everything and it got us nowhere. I refuse to stay in the wilderness for another 40 years, but I want to experience what God has for me. And God gave him a vision and said, go into Jericho, right? And gather your people. And he says, march around those walls. March around those walls, begin to play instruments, begin to just walk around and claim that territory. That was their promise. And then he says, now begin to shout, begin to praise. And those walls came down. See, your promise is in your praise. You're going to go through the process, but your praise is going to get you there. Your praise is going to get you through that process. Your wife acting up, don't worry about it. Praise God. Your kids acting crazy, don't worry about it. Praise God. Right? Your bills acting funny, don't worry about it. Praise God that you got a job. Right? Your praise. Is there anybody here that can praise God tonight a little bit? Amen? I know the message was just kind of, but now we're going to switch gears and we're going to begin to praise God. Right? We're going to begin to praise God because this is where the power is. Right? I had to bring the word, but I, want, I believe that God tonight is going to move in the midst of our praise. Amen. So if we could all stand here tonight, we're going to have an altar call, but we're going to have a praise call. Amen. We're going to praise the Lord here tonight. Amen. So as the worship team gets ready to sing this song, amen, we're going to sing and we're going to praise the God. So if you want to come up here to these altars, amen, if you're feeling down, yes, amen, come on. If you're feeling down, maybe you've been feeling that depression, I want you to come. You just need to shake it off. Ooh, yes. yes. Oh. Come on. Come are P08. Here we go. You're a God of signs and wonders. On and in all of all your splendor. You are good. You are good.